The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Wolf and Bull podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Daremore Media, the Wolf and Bull, or its affiliates. The Wolf and Bull podcast is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast is for expressive listening entertainment. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Wolf Mo Podcast. I am the Wolf, and I'm here with my ever charming, lovely co-host. The Bull is in the house. <laughs> Just uh, decided to push Beowulf sound because you know it's we can never get in here. I can't get things right. I need to mix this up. Am so I the Irish blood that runs? Through you're all the of Irish our blood that runs through all of our veins. And we also have Beowulf, who also happens to be a bull That's in another me. life. She is, mm. uh, yeah. That's a young calf. A young calf. Right? Uh, I guess. An Irish calf. Irish calf. Yeah, mm. that's, is that technically correct? No. No. Actually, actually, I'm not sure. We need to is research our Unfortunately. bovine history. <laughs> Are you calling me a heifer? I anyway, anyway. Oh, my God. Bovine history is right up my alley. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Well, if you happen to like what you see today, our content of The Wolf and Bull can be found on Instagram at The Wolf and Bull. I have it right down here in this cool little pinkish bluish logo thing banner um you can also find us on youtube additionally we have most of the time unless i fall behind which doesn't happen too often but it happens sometimes our episodes come out on thursdays audio wise and video comes out on fridays on youtube that might be subject to change because i don't know if i like the friday day but we will talk about it uh just a quick you reminder can find us on any day you can find us on any day yeah as a quick reminder and additionally you can also understand and accept that we have a wonderful sponsor and this episode is brought to you by americano ammunition coffee serving true american patriots the means to defend their freedom one caffeinated caliber at a time make sure to visit their website ammoandcoffee.com and grab yourself a bag of coffee beans or visit their shop in queen creek arizona mention the wolf and bull and at the checkout you get 25 percent off of your order so Pretty good deal. I love that. One caffeinated caliber. I also must say their um, their Valentine's Day drink. Beyond delish. You tried it the other day, didn't you? Is that what it was? I had no idea. What would that be considered? What would it be considered? Beyond delish. Beyond Beyond delish. delish. Super delish. Super delish. What what does that sound? That's right. Why does that sound like maybe they put a little ammo powder in that or something to get it really? No, I love a good latte. What does Beyond Delish sound like a like downtown like Hillcrest restaurant? Probably, probably a probably great is. restaurant. Yeah, probably really good. Yeah, I'll full, tell you full, what. Full every restaurant, every restaurant I've been to in Hillcrest, it's San Diego. I was going to say no. nobody, hardly anybody. Could <laughs> yeah. Hillcrest, where, where, San where is Diego. that near? Is that near Gilbert somewhere? No, 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 no. It's San Diego. Not no, it's Gilbert. delicious. Uh, well, for those of you who now know where we are located in the United States, uh, here's here's the thing. How's everybody doing out there? I've asked you guys. No, you haven't. We can do like a blues you didn't clues. Ask me at all. We ask you every episode. This isn't about you. This is about our viewers and listeners. This, we can hey, do like a blues that's clues enough thing. About me, what do you think of me? Mm. 
Well, <laughs> I hope everyone listening just said out loud how they're doing. Yeah, good. So it's like Blue's Clues. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, go ahead and talk. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think it's it's going to be a good episode. We got some cool things in store for you. Uh, some wonderful topics. The bull is doing phenomenal and he's dancing. Uh, Beowulf is Irish as normal. It's time for Mailbox. Um, it is time for the Mailbox. And with that being said, it's also probably time for the monologue. So I'm going to go ahead and push that wonderful button. Go for it. Recently, Mr. Beast, a YouTuber with over 131 million subscribers, made a video titled 1,000 Blind People See for the First Time. The video was met with mixed reviews, and many people praising the video and the positive impact it it made on those 1,000 people's lives. Alternatively, the video also received some backlash from individuals who claimed that Mr. Beast is demonic, and that he exploits people for content believing that he acts for financial gain. These allegations are unsurprising, as are the positions that the Twitter talking heads hold. Unhappy people virtue signal, especially when they see something that they you know, don't like, especially something positive, simply because they're unhappy. They won't do anything on their end to change someone else's life unless it involves talking about how much better they are in comparison to those around them. Unironically, these same people criticize, criticizing Mr. Beast are critical of nearly every facet of society designed to help others unless, of course, it involves the government, a celebrity they worship, or themselves. My general question is this. Why do they care? It's not like they're friends with Mr. Beast, so it's a little confusing to me. In addition to Mr. Beast's news, a company owned by supply chain called Resilink released a report about a week ago revealing that the top driver of supply chain disruption in 2022 was factory fires. Compared to 2021 disruptions affecting supply chain are over 32% year on year. In 2022, there was 3,609 factory fire alerts, an 85% year-on-year increase, the most ever recorded in a single year. The timing on that one, mixed with the government shutdowns, war in Ukraine, and La Rona, is quite interesting to me. On top of the factory fires, many have also started discussing whether chicken feed companies have altered their product to stop backyard hens from laying eggs, which will drive up demand for commercial eggs or cause people to switch to plant-based alternatives. It's not like Bill Gates invested in Beyond Eggs in an attempt to take animals out of the question and the equation in 2013. Or that celebrities are showcasing their desire to eat bugs so that we too can eat bugs. So that they can continue to eat their Wagyu tartare at their eyes wide shut parties. It's all likely coincidence. So today, we're talking about the problem with parasocial relationships and the recent news concerning factory fires and the chicken feed conspiracy. I, again, am just all over the place. You're fine. Ah, I want to ah. see how these things all come together. These are, these are three. conflagration, mm. which is a fancy word for fire. Very nice. Yes. How about that? Yeah. I, I, uh, I like these, these uh, you, <laughs> three hot topics. You, you really shouldn't do that when I have a mouthful of hot tea. Uh, I could have just spewed it all over my microphone. Well, but yeah, know, these topics are going to be interesting. You know, as far as Mr. Beast is concerned, mm. I mean, there's there's an old lyric to a song. You, you can't please everyone, so you got to please yourself, right? And, of course, that can be taken in many different ways. And for those out there more interested in other types of podcasts, you can look into that. But the fact of the matter is, is, you know, <laughs> you, you got to... What? What are you laughing Just go ahead. Just, no. No, I'm just... Uh, <laughs> I love that that quote you gotta was... please yourself. Uh, well, it's okay. all right now. Yeah, yeah that's... Learn my lesson well. 
You wow. can't please everyone, so yeah. Someone just turn on the oldies. <laughs> hey, I am an I, I am an I love oldie. this station. Uh, well, hey, okay, I am so the oldie. I interrupted. No, so my, my, back to my your point. point is, yes. is that you know whatever you think of Mr. Beast, you've got to look at yourself and are you doing something that you want to do that you think is good for some reason? Mm. Now, if if a counter to that is that you're going to make a bunch of money doing that too, who the hell cares? And I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, that's the kind of the position that I hold. Now, whether Mr. Beast is demonic or not, frankly, in my opinion, is beside the point. Listen, everything is demonic in today's day and age. That's what I hear, at least, on on all the the very, very up-to-date scientists on Instagram. You know, you know the ones. Yeah. Every every person knows everything about everything demonic. <laughs> this is so great. This is true. really good. Uh, yeah, first, <laughs> frankly, um, you know, outside what of the Mr. Beast, I don't know. Outside of the Mr. Beast demonology, uh, I think we need to evaluate what people mean when they claim that he is exploiting people, as I mentioned in my monologue. Now, obviously, there are some definitional terms here. Exploit literally means an act or deed, especially a brilliant or heroic one. So if they mean that he did something well, then I, yes, I can agree with that because that's what he did. He healed 1,000 people's eyes. Exploitation is a heroic deed. That's literally what exploit means, is that. Now, the term or transitive verb version of that is to make use of something selfishly or unethically. So that's which, where I've always thought of it yeah well it's english is weird <laughs> now the latter is likely what people and critics are um, implying about mr beast and secondly in addition to what people mean in relation to exploit when they utilize the term we should also evaluate the purpose of the video now i would determine that it was to heal people with money earned from previous views of other videos making content that will get a high number of views furthering the mr beast train of sponsored philanthropy now some people have a really big problem with sponsored philanthropy i'm really not too sure how i feel about it because there's a lot of it out there and some of it is kind of unethical but what i will say is i'm pretty sure every single one of these people was contacted by mr beast and or reached out to him in some way shape or form or maybe they're all paid actors um but either way they were informed about what was about to happen and they all consented to it otherwise mr beast would have a very large legal problem on his hand so i think he kidnapped them strapped them down into a dark warehouse probably carved out their eyeballs and put new ones in there and yeah. they were like oh god no i can trust see. me I, I'm, yeah. I'm an expert them with trust the number me. yeah you need to cut that's what yeah. the beast would do yeah yeah probably now that's back to the demonology aspect of mr beast I'm is mr that. beast a demon <laughs> probably not um now I just I have a real big problem, honestly, with people who look at something like that and they criticize it. And the reason I say that is because there are just significant amounts of instances in our society that are very similar to that. For example, uh, I mean, what nonprofits um, for profit entities? I know some charities operate in a way that they somehow make money. Not every single thing that is considered phil philanthropic or altruistic like is absolutely free. So I don't know what the qualm is here. I'll, additionally, you know, reporting the thing that you got from Mr. Beast, such as the cash or the gift or all that stuff, you know, he provides them with alternatives there. And that is kind of something we all do anyway every year when it comes to tax season. So I'm really not sure what the, the argument or qualm is here. It just seems kind of frivolous, you know? Uh. It doesn't no. seem what do you think, Bill? Because I think there's there's definitely a 
a component of this, but it's driven by the the people that want to be haters, not not the person trying to look. We're we're not foolish enough to think that that people do things for absolute free. No, I mean it's very and and certainly those that do are usually trying to leave a legacy. They're usually older. Mr. Beast is what I don't know, late twenties, right? Late twenties, early thirties. So, but that's neither here nor there. Maybe he's already trying to do that. I don't know. He, and it sounds like something he did was good for people. He paid for their surgeries, correct? Isn't yeah. that what happened with that? Yeah. So he paid for surgeries. I mean, we donate. I mean, people donate to all kinds of philanthropic, you know, nonprofit organizations. You know, think about Doctors Without Borders. They mm-hmm. go all over the world to fix cleft palates on people and things like that. Um, wheelchair mission, which we've been involved with in the past. They they uh, create these wheelchairs, very inexpensive wheelchairs, and ship them all over the world to get people off of the ground. There's a million wonderful things. And I don't know, maybe there's some notoriety that the people that start and do these things gain from that. Maybe there is a, a podcast that gets very popular because of it. Maybe there's online social media aspects that are that are good for those people because of that. But are they doing it because of that, or are they doing it because they want to help? I don't think it matters. Well, that's I like kind that. of that's, a good that's, point. That's, that's, I don't it think it matters matter. either way. I think it's a... They're not mutually exclusive, right? Well, well I, I, I have a funny, well, not really story. <clears throat> this guy and I, years ago, probably 10 years ago now, we were on the, the Chapman University campus in uh, Southern California, and we were about to get in our car going to get food or something, and this guy came up to us. I can see this guy over here is looking, and he's trying to remember exactly what store I'm about to say. You might remember. We were getting in our car, and this random guy, never met him before, don't know his name, he didn't introduce himself, came up to us, and I don't know if he was actually doing a legitimate study or just kind of asking, but he came up, and another guy was with him, kind of rolling his eyes, and he said, when we give things to people, are you doing it out of altruism or are you doing it because you just want to feel good? And do you remember this? No, I don't. But that's a really dumb question. Well, he was. Yeah. And, and it turned point, into huh? this it's a dumb question. I'm surprised you don't remember because you were really going back and forth with him about it. And <laughs> I have no recollection of this at all. Yeah. Yeah. And he was asking, uh, basically, he was making the argument that no one gives anything for the actual person that they're giving it to. They, they give it to make themselves feel better in a roundabout way was his argument. And you were arguing against that. OK, so I can remember what I, my position would be. And I'll just I'll just I'll summarize it with this. Why is it that everyone thinks that th- two things can't be true at the same time? Exactly. What, what is this? What is it? Like, like I, I hate I'm getting passionate because it bothers me because it seems to be as if everyone thinks we are all just one dimensional nodes within a system that can't operate without some level of personal agency or without someone telling us what to think. Maybe it's both. Maybe we can do both at the same time. And I don't remember that conversation. I can probably attest to it being real because I can imagine yeah, me that saying that exact like same thing. Sure. Um but I don't know why people have a difficulty with that. I really don't. Well, if there's an expectation for reciprocation, therein lies the issue with with giving and getting, in my opinion. It always has been my opinion. Because it, now, is there a, a sense, of, a release of endorphins or a feel-good sensation from a, a humanistic standpoint when you give something of yourself to someone else? Yeah, I would say so. The question is, is it independent of an expectation of return from well, them? I think the reti- Because that's that's where this Mr. Beast thing goes, right? Well, yes, but I also think the particular issue that people took with Mr. Beast is, is kind of silly because 
isn't he the most subscribed creator on YouTube yeah, right now? Yeah, he's one of them. And how did he become that way? Because he this, does this exact this same type thing. Of stuff. I would uh, personally, I have not benefited directly from anything Mr. Beast has done. However, I would personally rather see him do something like this than just give away a bunch of Teslas. Well, again, I guess my my biggest thing is what do what do people expect the alternative to be? People don't give really, away a bunch of Teslas. Well, no, but think about this. Yeah. The, here's That's this, the is alternative. A, this is a valid question. Think about this. The alternative is give away a bunch of Teslas, but on behalf of who? If Elon Musk does it, they'll get mad at Elon Musk. If uh, you know some political in, uh, individual, Donald Trump or Joe Biden, does it, they'll get mad at both of them. If the government does it, one side of society is going to be in total, total, unabashed, admirable support, while the other group of society says that we're being taken advantage of. Well, I guess Which a, one is it? Everybody a, always looking for the dark side of these. No, things. but it's not. It's not about the dark side. Is it's, it's it's hypocrisy at its finest from the individual criti- criticizing is what I'm saying. Because if I'm if I'm sitting down and I'm supporting the government with free uh, initiatives from people, myself, taxpayers who don't necessarily sign up individually for those taxes. Mm-hmm. If I'm supporting a government for doing that, then I should be totally okay with Mr. Beast doing something like that because he makes a ton of money. And the government, guess what, takes your money and utilizes your money to put into various programs. There is no difference, too. Yes, they do. Yeah, I I mean, there's no difference. There's there's always hypocrisy out there. There's always critics. And, you know, typically when critics become very, very loud and um, illogical in the manner of which they're distributing their criticism, Mm you usually have to look behind the curtain to see that there's something more going on. And it is almost as always, and we've talked about this a million times, it's almost always, you know, virtual signaling or some kind of uh, collective freaking hypnosis going on with, with something in our society that's directionalized by another entity. And yeah. Yeah. And, And it's unfortunate, but it's, it's kind of the way things sway back and forth in pendulum. And in, in, uh, it often frustrates me, as it's frustrating you, because can't we just let things be sometimes? Can't we just let see how they roll out, see how they uh, create additional things? I mean, a thousand people? Was it a thousand? A thousand people. A thousand people regaining vision from a $10 procedure. I mean, that uh, that's freaking fantastic. I don't know. I, I don't, if the guy makes millions of dollars more because of that, well, he throws it, him. he throws it all back into his videos. I mean, mm-hmm. he said that multiple times in interviews. And frankly, look, I'm not, this might sound like I'm like a huge Mr. Beast fan. I do enjoy his videos, but I would not omit criticizing him if he did something wrong. I, I think that, you know, I have no, I don't think any of us here have any position to not believe what he says no reason to do so and so when when i hear and see stuff like that it just gets me because i really have and i think this comes back to a a narrative that's been prominent in society of of people conflating the operation of business with the ethics of an individual i have a major issue with that because not because i think businesses should get away with everything because people are demonizing profit motive now well, yes, that's, well, that's that, the and, scenario well, that's going on okay, in our society so today. Then you can look at that same person demonizing and say, okay, well, why do you go to your job? I, I get what like you're it's, saying, it's, but I'm just saying that's the that's the thinking that I think is being pushed out. Well, at, at the end of the day, Mr. Beast runs a business, and the business purpose is to make content to continue staying a business. I'm not sure why we have to explain this. This is not rocket science. And frankly, I don't like explaining it because it makes me sound like a condescending person and I'm not. So when it comes to this type of stuff, it just bothers me that we tend to do that because frankly, there's a point where people are worth criticizing. Like say, for example, if you're Bill Gates, 
he's worth criticizing in some areas because he has outgrown the business that he now used to be a part of. And he is utilizing his profits in a way that could be seen as unethical in some ways. And same in some instances as Mr. Beast. I can understand that. With that being said, if Joe Schmo, who runs a regular business, has to hold his ethical principles on his arm while he also runs his business and tells everyone about what he personally believes, then what is the point? Because the workers don't have to do that. The worker base doesn't have to hold themselves accountable to their nonsense. Well, sometimes they do. Human resources are involved. Yeah, sometimes. Not as much as the owner. I guess it's all just perspective. I mean, every bit of this is. Anybody who makes any type of uh, money more than the next person typically is held in some sort of um, standard <clears throat> that oftentimes cannot be cannot be measured up to. And think about you know someone like Bill Gates, Elon Musk, all these you know billionaires. I mean, it doesn't matter what they do or say. And I'm not even I'm not sitting here trying to defend them like. <laughs> I don't really care either way, but the bottom line is no matter what they say or do, there's going to be criticism. There's going to be people who think that they could do it better if they had the same amount of wealth and power. It's just all Which they'd be wrong. I, I hate well, to say that, but all almost every single... It's like the people who said they would run the country better if they were in that position. Well, think about but Sam Bankman-Fried. Kind of Sam Bankman-Fried was a billionaire at one point. Mm-hmm. Was a, a very, very... A, a, a darling in the billionaire community in America less than a year ago. And he said over and over again, he was going to give away all of his wealth. Um, you know, everyone loved him because he was this very altruistic, altruistic, very liberal, very just just all around good guy who ended up screwing over millions of people. Yeah, no allegedly, one, no one criticized but, yeah. him until he got caught doing something. So I guess the the confusing thing that I that the, the thing that confuses me the most is people will criticize you know, Mr. Beast, but they'll look at something like any of the celebrities they like, and they don't have a question. Any political person that they like, they don't have a question for that person. They just ignore it. If you're going to criticize everyone, criticize everybody. Don't just criticize people you don't like. I criticize Donald Trump and Joe Biden equally. I don't like either of them. I criticize politicians equally because I don't like them. Not because I don't like them as people, but because I don't trust the position that they hold. Same thing with celebrities. I don't know them from Adam. And if they tell me to do something, I'm going to criticize them for telling me to do something because they wouldn't listen to me if I told them to do something. So it it just seems like this double standard, which, by the way, is really immature. It's not even immature. It's a major issue. And the thing that I think it comes back to is virtue signaling. I think that's the main problem here. And frankly, this is my opinion, so please take it with a grain of salt. I personally believe people who virtue signal are incredibly unhappy. And the reason I think that that's the case is because people who care about what other people think to such a high degree as that are normally unhappy with themselves. Thus, they're trying to please other people in order to get some sort of personal gratification and fulfillment in that they are worthy in those people's eyes. People who are happy with themselves don't give an absolute flying F about other people's opinions. They don't. Well, all you have to do is is watch somebody that's that's doing that kind of criticism or that kind of virtual signaling and whether it's online or in person um, uh, in person, if they criticize you and then kind of look around them, they're looking for, you know, that validation. That, exactly. And if they, if they're doing it in an online forum of some sort, then they're looking for validation from other people around them. That's mm-hmm. what they're doing. And they will, they will taper their message to a, to get that, that echo. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I don't know. I just 
the last like five years or so is probably the most I've ever been like subject to or witnessed virtue signaling. And it's a consistent problem. Frankly, I, uh, frankly, haha, frankly, I consider it the, the emotional, um, the emotionally and ethically devoid sibling of keeping up with the Joneses. That's what I consider it. It's, 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 it's the same type of thing. I, well, let me, let me frame it like this is as, as so many people have come to, you know, their homes. And I I saw this thing where someone was talking about how most people, I don't know how true or, or valid psychologically this is, but most people have three places, right? They had, you know, home, school or work, and then like it used to be church or somewhere, somewhere else they would go. And that was sort of what their life revolved around. And then it would, it would deviate, you know, for vacation or I I'm going to my friend's house or just something like that. And now most people have one, maybe two. And so they feel like their life has gotten a lot smaller in some ways. So through, I, I would expect when you say virtue signaling, you mean a lot online. No, um, I mean, yes, online, but also in person. I think it happens equally. Okay, well, I think most people interact with other people online rather than in person, at least in my opinion these days. People have a larger circle online than they do in their immediate, you know, maybe their immediate family. People are also more courageous online. That's right? for well, sure. Well, there's no repercussions as well. Exactly. Well, there's there's well, repercussions, be, but, but <laughs> it's easy to be anonymous online, I guess is the better way of putting that. You know, oftentimes when people put their name and face out there, there are repercussions and you can get backlash and you have to be sort of mentally well, tough to deal with that. How, how many times in business have you gone back and forth with people via email over some contentious issue mm. and you think the person on the other side is just horrible they're wrong they're saying it all wrong they're they're they must be impossible to deal with and then you finally get on a conference call or on the phone with them and they're just sweet as all can be often pleasant and and almost always just as frustrated mm -hmm. as you are with the situation more so the situation than you as the person right so this goes back to something we've talked about many times in many episodes the loss of of uh connection in a in the transfer of the type of communication we have that is inhibited real true relationships in the understanding we have with each other. And that's kind of where I was going towards is virtue signaling almost a way of just community today. I mean, think about most communities in the sense of like clubs and stuff, they have some sort of shared values or they have some sort of shared, you know, know, morals. Yeah. Yeah. They got the secret (laughs) handshake would quote virtue signaling online be a way of just bonding i don't i don't think it's to that extent i think it's a form of i think it's a form of tribalism i definitely do think it's that i think it's something that people utilize to to make themselves in a lot of ways appear better than those around them I don't think that you can build community around it. If they believe that there's a community around it, I'd love to be invited to uh, virtue signalers anonymous. I think that would be a fun thing to go to. So I could actually talk to these people in person and ask them the questions that they deserve to be asked. Like, why do you dislike everything so much? That's a really good question. Uh, why are you unhappy? What can we do to help you? But other than that, because the difference here's the thing, actual criticism normally has, has substance and, and something people can change. 
And if I want to criticize somebody, I'll sit down with them and I'll actually explain to them, look, I think this is what you do well. I like this. I didn't like this. People who are virtue signalers never ever provide the accurate criticism required for something that can help people become better. They only attack the character and they only attack the the substance of the action. But does, so, does virtue signaling mean that you are attacking or criticizing? I thought it would mean almost... My when I it's think of virtue down. signaling, I would not think of a put down. That's I would exactly con- what it is, though. Okay. Well, it could be. I would consider it, it saying like, "I do this." It's not about you not doing that. It's I do this. I do this kind of work. I believe this. Yeah, in this. I believe this. in you. Not, I believe in. But this. then, then people can take it a step further, as you're mm-hmm. saying, as a put down, saying, "I do this and you don't," and that makes you bad. Well, I don't even think you have to say what you do. I think that we've gotten to this point where people just assume that by virtue of criticizing someone for something that is perceived to be bad, they are thus better than that person. See, isn't this, isn't this, I'm kind of in Bale's camp here that it's, that it's in part because there's this, this need or this draw to be part of a community. Maybe community is the wrong word in this terms because it's a virtual one and it's broadened in the edges of it when you virtual signal to become part of that community. Maybe it's a different ethnicity. It's a different, you know, a, a code that people live by. Maybe it's a different geography. Who, who knows what it is you're signaling about, but you're becoming part of this larger group that may or may not really be true because it may be that 70% of the people are all virtual signaling the same thing which makes everybody think they're all part of a club that none of them are part of. Well, that's, right. I think that's the, the question then, because if, if it is really a part of a group, then we'd have to be able to distinguish that group from everything else. And so far we can't. It's distinguished as haters. So people normally, at least in my experience, again, this is opinion. From my experience, people normally cherry pick what they virtue signal about or criticize. And the reason I, I guess maybe I'm conflating some things, but the reason I'm doing that is because I think they go hand in hand. Criticism today is no longer, in my opinion, valid criticism. It's not because it has to have that alternative of this is what can be done on your end to change it. If you're going to just call someone an idiot because you think they're an idiot, you're being kind of ridiculous. Well, that's you know not what I'm saying? Criticism. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. So most of these criticisms, especially on Twitter, are not really real criticisms. You don't like Mr. Beast because he healed a thousand people. Okay, explain. That There's where people are absent from that. Then it's not they a criticism. They don't want to explain. They just want to be part of the crowd that's on this side well, of the aisle. Virtue signal. One of the, it, one of the, one of the criticisms that I think I heard was that they're considering it like a white savior complex type thing. Oh my God. So see, this is, again, that's not a valid criticism because you have to be able to explain what that even means. You can utilize, like I can utilize vague non sequiturs like that because that's what it is. Um, But that's not a criticism. If I sit down with you and I say you have a white female savior syndrome, I have to explain what that means to you, to me. So you can understand it. You know, maybe the problem is we're using this term criticism a little too loosely. Maybe it should just be simply point of view. You know, let me give you my point of view on this. I'm not being critical of your point of view because you have your truth, yeah, right? Point that's of, everybody's these days. I think that would so, still require people to explain themselves and they don't today. There's the issue. Here's my point of view. You say this is your point of view. Please explain. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know? the internet is not exactly the best place to foster good, constructive Well, no. therein lies the issue we were talking about before. And, in and, most circles. And, and I'll tell you what, back to a, a previous episode we were talking about with gaming and in particular, gaming that is done collectively online is probably a better area to produce a community of, of similarities between people where they can actually conduct 
these kind of exercises and these kind of thought processes. Oh, they do, but it doesn't. It doesn't work. Um, I believe me. I've been a part of it. It doesn't work. But uh, it's got to be better than what we're talking about. It's worse. The, the really? community, yeah, it is worse. One hundred percent. It's so toxic. Um, and I think that brings us to our second segment: uh, parasocial relationships. Um, now, I think there's something that needs to be said specifically in relation to this because, again parasocial relationships i think are very prevalent in today's society and they are quite a problem especially in relation to individuals like mr beast um now for our listeners and viewers a parasocial relationship is a one-sided relationship in which an individual forms a connection with a media figure such as television or an online personality this connection can be quite strong and can lead to feelings of familiarity and even intimacy despite the fact that the media figure is not actually aware of the individual's existence They are largely driven by the media figure's ability to create a sense of social presence, which is the uh, perception that the media figure is present and interacting with an individual. They are often temporary and tend to dissolve once the media figure figure is no longer active or the individual loses interest. They're more likely to develop among people who feel lonely, lack of social support, or have difficulty forming real-world relationships. And it's also important to note that parasocial relationships are not inherently negative. They can provide a sense of companionship and connection for individuals who may or may not have it in their real lives. Now, I'm not implying that the critics of Mr. Beast are suffering from an odd parasocial relationship with him. They're not. They're likely grifters or outspoken people looking to capitalize on their own public uh, image through virtue signaling or some form of backwards criticism. There are many people, though, who are incredibly lonely and they develop relationships and images of people who are a who they appreciate that are simply inaccurate because the image that are is portrayed by these individuals that they so appreciate isn't actually a depiction of who they are in real life. This in turn fuels the fire of an unhealthy perception of public figures and the people who helped sell you on these public figures are aware of that and they utilize that to their benefit. So it's, it's kind of a, a game within a game, if that makes sense. At least in my opinion. Yeah. The parasocial relationship thing. Um, I, I think I may have some personal experience with that. I mean, there's definitely been celebrities that I've had like a fixation on, not in a, Adam Driver. not a like super scary, disturbing way. Like Adam nothing, Driver. nothing that not scary. Adam Just enough to where uh, at my bachelorette party, there was a giant cutout of Kyle Adam Driver. But, Adam Driver. Okay. Can you stop? <laughs> Adam Driver. Thank you. Um, the <laughs> Jeez. Touched on a note there. <laughs> All I'm saying is, uh, also, I, I think that does reflect a little bit on an emotional state of somebody when they feel like they have a parasocial relationship uh, with a character or even a real life person. People definitely take it way too far. I mean, just think about like the harassment that celebrities can go through because somebody decides that I know them like and when I see them out in public, I'm going to make sure that they know who I am. Like well, I'm going to follow them. It's not just, Oh, I'm going to ask them for a photo. It's, it turns into really dangerous stuff. Well, I don't think that that is always the case. I think that's the, the outlier <laughs> scenario of parasocial relationships, the very extreme. I think something that is probably side adjacent, which I think is a main problem that a lot of society suffers from is a, an incorrect view of celebrities. I think we've gone from this place of someone like Tom Cruise being an entertainer who is an actor who yes, uh, is, in a lot of ways, incredible because he does a lot of his own stunts. So it's kind of cool. But outside of that, like he's just a, an actor. And even though he, has, he runs Scientology and if he were to step away, Scientology <laughs> would fall apart. Um, he also is just a person. Also, well, but I, I, I think I want to add real quick though, because it's not just celebrities that, that have this public figures, kind of, not even just public figures. 
I mean, the, the social media, uh, the ability to, you know, see clips of people constantly, whether they're famous or not. I mean, there are, there are plenty of non-famous people that are on social media constantly that have a relationship with a growing number of And uh, we are now in quarantine because the bull is... Uh... Sorry about that. <laughs> wow. Anyways, they have relationships with a growing number of people, and and they develop these assumptions about these people that they've never met. Yeah. Ever. Well, and that goes, back to, that goes back to Mr. Beast because it's none of us know him, and every single interpretation or perception that we have of him is from something online or something written about him or the opinion of someone else. So the image that we have of him is inaccurate to say the least well especially with influencers and like you with the the people like mr beast who really made a name for themselves on youtube like i look at it this way you brought up tom cruise mm-hmm. um to name a, a couple others that i would say kind of clumped in these quote hollywood stars it's not really the same anymore because a lot of these celebrities have really um captured the idea that parasocial relationships while they can become dangerous they're what fuels a lot of the celebrity of today yeah and before while it always existed there was almost a a veil between the celebrities of of you know decades ago and today now you can go onto instagram and you can watch you know name a celebrity clean their dishes while they well, explain something to you and it's well, you I, have I met, this I met very... somebody a couple of weeks ago that looked at me did a double take and then asked me specifically if I knew the wolf oh yeah and I said, oh my god yes, it, it, yeah. the again the intro the dad yeah. joke thing's going to go across the screen over there for him that was that was <laughs> that was cute that was very cute that was a good cutesy one that well, was really good um they said they I don't even know the... where to go with that <laughs> You're such like, a celebrity. What? No, <laughs> no. Um, I guess. I guess the the, the biggest thing that I, I <laughs> shuffles it off. Jeez. I, I think the the biggest thing that I, I guess I could I get I get from this whole scenario with Mr. Beast is is just the unhealthy nature of relationships with celebrities. Because I agree with you that there has always been maybe a stardom factor to things, but it has gotten to the point to your point where it's become something more than that. You used to think that someone like Tom Cruise is good because he's a really good actor and you like his movies. Now you like his movies, you think he's a really good actor, and you also like his positions that are all listed uh, very unironically on his website of what he supports, what political identity he's a part of, and who he identifies from any well, perspective whatsoever. And it's whatsoever. not like, oh, I just go and see his movies, and, mm. I, and I, like, love, I love listening to this music. No, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is watch the stories of the top 10 celebrities I follow on Instagram, yeah. and their stories are very personal. Sometimes they're not even wearing makeup, and they don't have filters, so they're so relatable. They're so relatable oh my gosh i see them more than i see some of my friends because some of my friends don't care to post on instagram so i yeah. see more from this celebrity ever i'm not i'm not even trying to judge people who do that because i have celebrities i follow on instagram who i see all the time and sometimes it's like i can't believe i know more about the celebrity's life than i do some people well, i've known my whole life you know from school or something well to to not be like because i'm not trying to get from like a theological perspective on this because i really would rather not have that conversation but it is very much an idolization of somebody we deify people it's a deification percent oh, but and, again and those who recognize it capitalize on it mm-hmm. and there's also there's some celebrities who purposely stay away from it and some and, and it doesn't even matter you know okay keanu reeves you guys are fans right yeah mm-hmm. i'm a fan mm-hmm. we love john wick okay him and his partner just recently filed a restraining order against someone who's been stalking them pretty aggressively for the past, I don't know, long time. He almost has zero presence on social media. He's just a 
actor who kind of stays away from it. Mm-hmm. He does his interviews and stuff, but he's a relatively like he's got a he's got an online following. Mm-hmm. And even even someone like that can't avoid it. Well, and that's obviously a, that that's taking it a step further than what we're talking about. That is yeah, criminal I think that's, behavior. Yeah, but, that's a whole. Yeah. I think that goes into a whole different category. But again, I, I get your point, and I, that's kind of the question cr- criticism I have because you look at like let's let's bring up the the recent thing with Sam Smith that happened this week. Um, for those of you who don't know or forgot that the Grammys existed because I do every year. Um, Apparently there was a total hell themed version of Sam Smith's song. I don't remember who he did sang it with uh, called unholy. I don't just say it out loud. What are you voicing it to me for? I was just going to say that I'm pretty sure. I'm just pretty sure. I don't, I don't, I don't know much about Sam Smith at all, Uh but that song's the one that's popular on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So uh, obviously there was a whole backlash. Um, People are pissed off because it was basically uh, seen as Satan worship. The whole like literal Satan, like Sam Smith's running around on stage, like with Satan face. Like, I mean, like it's this whole thing. And uh, I look at something like that and this is coming from someone who has come from a theological background. I look at something like that and I say it's performance. Now, granted, there are some caveats there on one side of the aisle. People are saying, uh, especially in relation to Sam Smith, that, you know, he's a Satan worshiper, um, that, you know, he, he's definitely sacrificing people like he's demonic, like people said that Mr. Beast was demonic. And frankly, if he is one, he's doing a darn good job of proving that he is one. Um, I frankly would think that you wouldn't want to do that on TV. Um, now, Additionally, he's also at the Grammys, a continually declining social event that no one seems to care about anymore, per my comment about never knowing when it happens. Um, This was likely all rehearsed. It was likely all cleared with the people running the show and then let loose on society for people to freak out over and talk about just for views. And which was the reason it was done. Exactly. Um, Now, ultimately, this was all done for attention and. That attention translates into money for the Grammys, money for Sam Smith, and yada, yada, yada down the line. These people know what they're doing. They do it as a career. Now, is it demonic? Probably, sure. A lot of things are demonic in society that we don't even consider might be demonic. Now, it's also a clearly designed attempt at attention, much like with the Will Smith slapping Chris Rock on the face situation. No repercussions for that, and everyone talked about it for months. Um all yeah, these live performances, yeah, you forgot. All these live performances are rehearsed. Lady Gaga jumping out of the sky during the Super Bowl was not spontaneous. And I would guess back in the 70s, Ozzy Osbourne biting the head off of a bat was also not spontaneous either. These are things that I think are done with intent. Now, am I saying that they are not Satan worshipers? No, I'm not, because I don't know, and neither do you. We have no idea. No idea at all. I mean, a lot of people would consider me with all the stuff on my arms a Satan worshiper 20 years ago. So I'm not. I don't think I am. I'm, I mean, I've blacked it out if that's the case, along with that one guy from Chapman. But uh, yeah, it's just it's one of those things. Now, on the alternative end of the spectrum, on the alternative aisle, literally should just be called the uh, left leaning aisle. There is a whole other side acting as if the normalization of provocative performances like that, something that children watch Uh, because it's advertised as such, doesn't have any net negative at all. In fact, the alternative side of the aisle is so gung-ho about poking fun at people who they think are simpletons that they'll vindictively do it at every chance they get, until, of course, their own social theology gets criticized. Science, LGBTQ, 
education, big business, government. Until you criticize that, we get to criticize you. And it's quite, quite hypocritical, in my opinion. They don't seem to realize, realize that we all happen to live in the same country, despite personal perception, and that they, too, have to deal with whatever the fallout is of these problems that are of overtly expressive individualism, which we've talked about in this show before, which is eventually leading and in real time leading to the decay of community, uh, something once supported by theology and civil civic morality that uh, doesn't exist anymore. And to these people, it won't avoid you. So I don't really know what the the ideas here are because it's on it's well, same coin. We're on the same coin, guys, and you guys are on the same different sides of the coin and you keep doing the same things to each other. Celebrities are merely conduits for control. They're normal people who happen to have a particular talent that is then built on by a team of people and exalted to a point of nonsense. It's no longer about providing something of value to the audience per a quote from Beowulf a little bit ago. It is not in this episode. Last one. It's about an experience. A perfect example of this is the movie The Menu on Netflix starring Ralph Fiennes. It's a great movie. It, you know, you, you mentioned a whole lot in that. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a a breakdown in communities. There's a breakdown in in the way we've handled our nature in our relationships with each other over the course of many, many decades. And it seems like those that are in the spotlight the ones that are getting all the attention, rightly or wrongly, are all, most all, pushing the same types of secular agendas. And I'm not here to defend one thing or not one thing. That's not the position I'm trying to take, though I do have a definite uh, opinion on it. The The thing I'm trying to say, though, is that our, our society has always been about individual expressive expression, for sure, but having everything, having the ability to be seen, understood, heard, listened to, um, adopted if you want, uh, put into community if you want, gone, people could go down a very secular road. They can go down a very religious road and everything else. But now what's ending up happening is that there's this trend toward making these things very normalized that just aren't. They just aren't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I understand people always say, well, it's a new normal and I'm just old. Bull, you're just old. You know, things are different. They, okay, I get that. Generationally, things do change. They do evolve. They do adapt. But everything has been done in such a rush, in such an explicit manner, that you can see the decay of other principled things being swept right under the, the current with this stuff. I mean, I... I agree with what you're saying, and I think that that's true. I think my my only qualm with it is I think there tends to be, and this will likely probably happen with me um, over time, is there tends to be a, um, I don't want to say an out of sight, out of mind, because it's not, but there tends to be a, a, uh, a chosen position by people who make, not you, but by people who have made that argument to ignore some of the things that kind of erupted during their time. Um, a prime example is the sexual revolution. A bunch of people went to Woodstock and were boinking each other for weeks at a time. So this whole progressivism isn't brand new. Some of it is. Some of it well, is. But there was a, but, there was always a thought, though, Wolf, that you know when when you finally became an adult mm-hmm. and you finally got into the quote unquote work world, yeah, that things would change. But instead, people, and now what's happening is people are coming out of that world mm-hmm. and they're changing the work world. Yeah, they're but, changing everything else. And I'm not 
hey, a hundred years from now, people are going to look back and think I was just ancient the way I was talking about. Perhaps I am, but for now, what you can what you can very clearly see is that the amount of chaos is ramped up specifically because the amount of parameters that we put around what we consider normalized or civilized or whatnot continue to be frayed, continue to be uh, Well, I think it was, uh, uh, forgive me for saying this, but I think it was in that instance, it was an out of sight, out of mind thing for a lot of people because a lot of these people who went to Woodstock, went into our educational system, they became politicians, they became leaders within our country, and they allowed this to happen. And well, they pushed it. Always they add, say that. So that my point being is that they advocated for this stuff internally. And now just because we here are noticing it in the limelight, cause it's now being pushed out. doesn't mean that it hasn't always been there. So I guess my whole thing is I'm not saying either is better. I'm not criticizing individuals who haven't been a part of that. I'm criticizing the fact that there has always been a decay occurring. And unfortunately we've now reached the threshold of people it getting too far. Just like with uh, like when the argument, for example, with uh, the, with the hyper beliefs around climate change, we can talk about that till we're blue in the face. Science would suggest that no matter what we do, we're already down that path. We can change the sky. We can we can we could do as many things as we possibly can within techno- technological ability up t- until maybe um, oh, whatever it's called uh, when you take a planet and you you terraform terraform it up until terraforming. Um, we don't have that technology quite yet. So we're on a path and we're going to have to endure that path. Now we might be able to lessen it, but I don't, I can't possibly think of any studies that suggest that by doing X based off of what a politician tells us or what the conglomerate of scientists tell us that we will 100% absolutely without a single uh, shadow of a doubt influence something to such a high degree that we don't face any consequences. Cause that's what this comes down to, right? A lot of this comes down to trying to avoid the consequences of decisions in the past. So for example, when it comes to uh, like smoking is a prime example, a lot of people who smoked like chimneys for the longest time, while the, uh, the, you know, big tobacco industry knew about the negative effects, the adverse effects of their product. While these people did that, um, they developed the long-term problems associated with what they're potentially facing now. And instead of, you know, realizing that it was a personal choice and trying to not have that happen within other industries, they demonized one particular industry. So the same exact thing, which by the way, was also invested in by that one industry, uh, fats and sugars became the problem that it is today. So no one really learned from anything. That's kind of the, what I'm getting at. Well, like you, there's, there's this, this inability or foxes, lack of desire. That's letting the foxes run the hen house. And that's the same thing. The same argument we use all the time with, governmental agencies and regulators and things Mm -hmm. like that because i mean it wasn't that many decades ago that the uh, a greater amount of per capita dollars went to private citizen employees Mm -hmm. with pensions with manufacturing base all that kind of stuff that's no longer true the 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 best paying jobs as a in a per capita basis are with governmental agencies they have they have security through retirement. They have better plans and four hundred one k. All this stuff is deemed better. Now, why do you think that is? Because the people that create the jobs were the ones we voted into office to create bigger bureaucracies. Mm-hmm. How do you stay in power? It's just all about a power thing that we've always talked about. Yeah, and, and that's you know, that's probably a, a thing to unpack for another day. But the reality is, is is if we continue a lot to allow 
the, as I said, the foxes to run the hen house, then you can't expect anything except a bloodbath. And anything to change. Yeah. And maybe lack of eggs. Yeah, maybe. Uh, well, that kind of segues us into a side adjacent topic that I mentioned during the monologue, the factory fires that have been going on for the last year. Um, this is totally in the same type of category discussion, so I thought it would fit in quite well. Um, now, there have been quite a lot of factory fires in 2022, and no one really seems to be talking too much about this. As mentioned a little bit ago, the Resilink Am I saying that right? Resilink? Resilink. Resilink. Um, Report. Supply Chain Resiliency Company. Yeah, uh, which came from SupplyChainDigital.com. All this information comes from a particular uh, article that I'll link right here. Um, It says the factory fires were the single biggest cause of supply disruption in 2022. Not port congestion, not extreme weather, not war in Ukraine, or an unnamed virus that we can't mention for fear of being censored. Factory fires. Now, according to this report, Resilink blames the spike in fires on gaps in regulatory and process execution, as well as on a shortage of skilled labor in warehouses. In 2022, there was an incredibly large increase in labor disruption around the globe, with a 92% year-on-year increase on this front. Now, there's a few examples of this, which include labor protests at the Foxconn iPhone factory in China, which was caused by if you're in the know and you have any you know, grasp on what's happening worldwide, uh, lockdown policy measures in the central Chinese city of Zhengzhou. This sparked a mass walkout by its largely 20,000 migrant workforces. Uh, management offered bonuses to encourage them to return, only to backtrack on those bonuses, which sparked further protests. Additionally, another example includes the Felixstowe port strike in the UK, which was caused by the port of Felixstowe considering outsourcing their workers. These workers went on a nine-day strike in an additional dispute about a pay increase, which resulted in $800 million in disrupted trade of clothing and electronic components. Now, geographically, North America has experienced the most disruptions, accounting for over half, 51%, of the total alerts issued by, uh, followed closely by Europe and then Asia. ResLink's data is gathered by its global event monitoring AL engine, EventWatch, which collects information and monitors news on 400 types of disruptions across 104 million sources, ranging from traditional news, social media platforms, wire services, videos, and government reports. So to the individuals in the room who specifically work within that industry, what in the flying F is happening? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. The labor disruptions, I mean, you didn't even mention the ongoing concerns with the ports on the West Coast. They still haven't figured out. They're insisting that they will, but the port workers, uh, the labor unions, um, for those who work on the docks, have been going back and forth with those those ports over a lot of stuff for, oh my gosh, close to a year now, I think so. And then the rail workers, um, they actually got basically blocked by Congress from going on strike in a, in a move they typically do um, get, get, get struck down like that. But they fought for months to get some, some specifics with the railroads covered. And uh, they did get some pay increase and a couple other things, but they were particularly 
um, fighting for, I think it was an additional sick days. Seven. Uh, Wasn't it like seven um, sick days? I don't want to. Ridiculously small like that. I don't want to misquote exactly what they were looking for, but. There are a dozen different unions involved. Right. There was quite a few. Some agreed, some didn't. Yes. And um, it was coming to a head. Eventually, Congress stepped in and blocked them from striking. So labor disruptions are not really the news here. It wasn't even on the top. I don't remember. It certainly didn't make the top 10. No, it's not really the news here. The news is the 85% year over year increase in factory fires. I've I've heard people mention the fires before and some are like, well, there's always random fires. I'm like, this is a pretty big increase in fires. So yeah, yeah. you know, supply chain disruptions are, have been going on for as long as supply chain has been invented, which is probably thousands of years ago. And, you know, supply chain in general is a very complicated process and series of interlinked modalities that creates a situation where we have raw materials from Mother Earth all the way to finished goods on a shelf that we all can buy. And everything in between is interconnected. And those connections are balanced amongst each other. They, they have to be in different ways or things get very volatile. Now, there are things built into the system. There are buffers to allow that variability. I think if, if we talked about the Suez Canal, this was just a couple of years ago, there was a giant 40,000 TEU, which is 20-foot equivalent unit ship that called ever the Ever Given that was stuck in the middle of the Suez Canal. Sideways, right? Uh, that's not what the Suez Canal was built for. Yeah, it went, it went aground. Which, how, how, how? Which, how does that happen? Yeah, they well, said there's they a were lot turning of, and, and, and uh, th- that most of that cargo is still there, by the way. Hmm. Never got offloaded. And there, they, there's all kinds of other periphery things that went on with that. But the, that there stalled out a certain degree of European commerce for a considerable period of time. And that was one event. Yeah. That's not even that considering was before all the shutdowns. The evergreen ship that that ran aground in is Chesapeake Bay. That was that was a couple of months ago too. I mean, that's resulted in not just to consider all of the backlog and supply chain. There's also the question of the environmental impact of all of that. I just did a whole story on this the other day. The the oysters in the region. So you have the issues with everything on the ship being affected. And then you have the oyster supply in Massachusetts being affected because the ship ran aground and destroyed a bunch of the bottom of the Chesapeake Bay. Mm. So there's there's a lot of webbing. So there, well, there's I, a huge amount. Of so I guess the, the question I'm, I'm getting at, because those those are things that like I think those are things that are like that happen. An 85 percent increase in factory fires. And it does not happen. That doesn't happen. No. Well, and then that's, that, that kind of thing, you know, <laughs> without further explanation, it's only natural that you begin to speculate. Yeah. And speculation leads to conspiracy and conspiracy theories, and then off we go. And Well, the, you know, the fact is, is that the food supply in this country and many other countries are all interconnected as well. And what we're talking about with these fires... A lot of them, and I did not see that the article broke down this into further increments, but I noticed that the article itself on supply chain, whatever digital. online, supply supply chain digital. Digital. was specific to the food industry. That That's what they cater to a lot in that series of articles. So I'm pretty sure they were talking about that in context with with rendering factories and things like that. Yeah. Chickens, meat, poultry, all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
I, you know, it's there's really a lot of agendas to... that are kind of lining up against that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I, like, we're not, I'm, we're not implying, we're not implying anything. Sure I, we it, it, well, we're implying everything. Um, no, I, I think what I'm trying to get at is, is it just seems a little too on the nose. You love to talk about Occam's razor, right? It just seems too on the nose. There's, there's kind of things that you look right down mainstream and you go, huh? Really? Okay, one plus one is not four. Well, here, here's here's the reason I say that is because that industry, and I, I say this not because I have two individuals who work within it that are in that industry, but the industry is full of a lot of relatively intelligent people. We're not talking about a now. Granted, there's outliers, but we're not we're not talking about like this industry that has people who don't know what they're doing in a lot of ways. I think there's people in that industry that have a lot of experience, decades, I would argue, and. All of this just seems to happen a year and a half after the greatest well, foreign policy <laughs> and local American policy shutdown of all time. Well, there's always explanations for everything. I mean, think about it. You could also argue, okay, we went a year and a half, two years without any thorough inspections. Uh, things were put off for later. It's the same thing. You hear people saying, oh, I, I, you know, there's an increase in people getting, you know, these, these long-term illnesses in the last couple of years. Could it be for this reason or could it be because they just didn't go to the doctor for two years? Well, but I get, but I get the point I'm getting at is the people who made these executive decisions plan everything. They plan everything. They don't just randomly have something come up on their, I mean, you plan everything and you're not in the government. You, you're not running a $400 trillion company or industry. That you know so, so, haha. So when it comes to, uh, that's a, that's a good one. I'll, I'll give you a little, what? little applaud there. Uh, we don't have the applause. I run the I secret um, organization, yeah. shadow government. I am the ruler. Yeah. So, uh, uh well, so I, I think the thing you have to think saying? about with these the supply chain issues are there, there are overarching things like many, many years ago, there was a, uh, the levees broke along the Mississippi and there was floods and it took out some bridges and the railroads, some of their main arteries through the the Midwest were cut off because of that and there had to be a lot of reroutes. And those are catastrophic issues. Now, the last couple of years is catastrophic, but it's more... An implemented it, catastrophe. But, but what you look at with a situation like we're talking about today is you're looking at one link. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, you're looking at one of the links that is most focused on by the parties involved with that link. So if if Bale and I were talking about our specific business, we know what's going on right there. We can say all these circumstances are happening to us. They're going to affect us mm-hmm. for a whole lot of reasons, and they do. But we know what's happening here. We have a set of processes in place. And so do these these rendering plants, so these factories, so all these people. They know what they're doing in their supply chain side. They know what they're doing to keep things up to a certain standard. Mm-hmm. It's not like because a year and a half off of an inspector coming in that suddenly fires yeah. broke out everywhere because they forgot to take down one of the, yeah. the, the, the bales of hay that was in Which there. Which I think maybe there's one or two instances of that, but I get the point I'm getting down. is like like specifically within your guys' industry, there is a hyper, hyper, at least for a period of time, a hyper planned forecasted procedure. In order to be able to get something from point A to point B, you have to be able to forecast it to some degree. You have to be able to tell people within a, I mean, look at Amazon, within literal hours now, maybe even minutes, depending on what type of delivery service you're getting, they can determine when your product from point A will arrive to point B, something that is abnormal throughout all of human history up until very recently. And you're telling me when we're at the point of fine tuning that 
to the point of having one of the cleanest uh, logistical running systems of all time that all of a sudden an 85% increase of factory fires happens by chance in one year? Really? And the, the moon's made of cheese too? Like it, well, it, supply chain people would tell you the factory fires have nothing to do with them. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. That, but that's they, what I'm they, saying. But they do. Mm. That's that's my point. They do. All these all these things are interconnected. <laughs> if you have a breakdown on how you discover raw materials, if you have a breakdown in personnel from making uh, finished goods, if you have a breakdown in any of these components along the way, it's affecting the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So if you want to affect the supply chain, you know, on the other side of the country. Then you initiate a problem on this side of the country that you know is connected to that side of the country because you throw everything in between off balance. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the next segue kind of in association with uh, the giant C word that so many social media companies don't like the great chicken feed conspiracy. Oh, my gosh. Before you get started, I first heard about this, even though it's been going around for a while. I first heard about this like officially and actually was like, what are they talking about? Because a couple days ago, I went to goat yoga. Oh, God. We're going to put, we're going to, we're going to, not going to give this? too much detail. I was, I was there and the Is this owner. Is a bad story? Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Why? All I will say is that the owner of the farm that I was at mentioned something about the chicken feed in passing when someone was asking because her chickens were laying eggs and the 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 owner of the farm and the and the other person who was there said oh you know i know how chickens don't lay eggs in the winter so that's kind of cool that your chickens are laying eggs and then the owner of the farm said oh that's the that's the big conspiracy right now like with the the chicken feed and i was like what are they talking about and then i went home told you I won't go into I've the goat seen, yoga story. That's yeah, a whole other. That's thing. another day. Um, <laughs> now, yeah, I've seen I've seen the the conspiracy online prior to that, but it was kind of like some wide eyed, crazy eyed looking. I person. swear, when I brought it up, I started seeing more stuff about it because probably. the algorithm your Instagram heard me. You. Yeah, your phone listens so, to you. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the case. Um, so, for those of you who are not in the know, uh, we are not implying that it does exist because I don't know if it does after researching it. But in 2022, around 58 million egg laying hens have been killed in an attempt to control the bird flu virus. Now. This is not a prediction, but it is a warning. Mainstream media outlets are already discussing whether H5N1 might be the next virological menace already. They're already talking about it. Avian flu normally attacks bird populations, but recently it tore through a Spanish mink farm in October of 2021. Now, this is somewhat concerning because H5N1 influenza normally is found in birds and it doesn't normally move to mammals. The receptor of the influenza binds to the upper airways of the birds and is those receptors are less common within mammals uh, specifically within the mammalian upper airway now with that event at that facility occurring more than 50,000 minks were killed and their carcasses were destroyed and apparently none of the workers were infected now I don't want to get into a discussion about the likely inevitable upcoming bird flu problem. As of 2019, massive sicknesses are in vogue. And frankly, I don't and I won't be surprised in the slightest if another one occurs this decade sponsored by Pfizer and subsidized by big daddy government. Uh, You can disagree with me all you want, but that is literally every commercial now on almost every single entertainment platform is a big Pfizer. Pfizer with the the silent P. Um, So kind of proves my point now with this avian flu wreaking havoc among 
the burb population, bird population, sorry, not burb, um, a theory has recently popped up amongst owners of chickens that chicken feed is actually to blame for the sky-high egg prices. Some individuals have even gone so far as to suggest that feed producers had intentionally made their product efficient, stopping backyard egg production, which in turn forces people to buy eggs at inflated prices. Now, when interviewed by the Associated Press, North Carolina State University poultry industry specialist Ken Anderson disagreed, stating, because of high path avian influenza, we've had to depopulate millions of laying laying hens. And when you take that many chickens out of the production, there's fewer eggs. When there's fewer eggs, the price goes up, which makes sense. Demand. Supply and demand. Totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, agricultural in- officials in multiple states, including North Carolina and Georgia, have told the Associated Press that they have received no reports of widespread problems. Uh, Yodam Ophir, I hope I'm pronouncing that correct, an assistant professor at the University of Buffalo who focuses on misinformation, also claimed that it's common for people to look for scapegoats during periods of social anxiety. The official narrative is kind of reminding us that we are sometimes vulnerable to the randomness of nature, which sounds... Totally I on think the that nose. would be a yeah. great thing to start is scapegoat yoga, ha, where you can just ha, sit around ha. and point fingers at each other and blame each other for everything. Oh, I do you, that every day. You've hit your you've hit your threshold of three <laughs> dad jokes an episode. Uh, you fulfilled your quota. And it was a good one. It was a good that one. That one was the Brought best one. All the way so far. That one was good. Yoga. Yeah. But as what he said, the randomness nature. I think that makes sense. I mean. No. Okay, you've had you have a differing opinion. It that statement uh, is very innocuous. It makes sense well, generally. Sure. The randomness of nature. Um, now, again, this is why this gets so difficult because the Wolf and Bolt. We're not a conspiracy podcast. Is, is we're we're not a conspiracy climate podcast. Climate change random. Uh, it depends on who you ask. See, this is. Um, yeah. But this is again. It's such an innocuous, vague response from somebody. That it's like, okay, yes, I agree with that. But also, uh, have you been around the last three years? Like, if all of this happened all at once, I would I would say that it makes a whole ton of sense because there is a possibility of chaotic nature to all of that. But then also there is the 85% year-over-year increase in factory fires, which is mixed chickens. with the avian flu epidemic, which was in process. There have been instances where fire factories were, quote-unquote, Farms were burned down because of the chickens. So uh, I guess my whole thing is all this happening at once is kind of too on the nose, especially when most of these companies and large businesses are all in bed together. And they're all pushing things other than chicken. Yes. Like grasshoppers. Or plant-based alternatives that are just filled with vegetable bean oil, which is terrible for you. So, uh, yeah. It's just interesting. It's just a little interesting. Just a little interesting. And I don't want to say that any of these people, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it's intentional, uh, but things are getting a little weird. And let's jump right into that. The avian flu has supposedly been responsible for around the 58 million chicken deaths. Uh, You can likely include turkeys in that as well over the last year. Now, because of this, chicken farms have been yeeting their deceased chickens to the afterlife in a myriad of different ways. In 2021, PubMed.gov released an article that evaluated the potential efficacy of egg yolk antibodies, uh, IGY, as a neutralizing agent against SARS-CoV-2. According to that article, 
our results show that this is quotes. Our results show that the anti-spike S1 IGY showed significant neutralizing potency against SARS-CoV-2 pseudovirus, various spike protein mutants, and even SARS-CoV in vitro. It might be a feasible tool for the prevention and control of ongoing SARS-CoV-2. Why weren't we told to drink egg yolks? That's my point. I'm joking. That's my point. This is not medical advice. You know, the big farm has always used different mediums to grow the potential of vaccines, including eggs of different kinds. Mm -hmm. Is that what they're talking about here? That's a big no. That that look. You know how salad dressings have oils and then they have like egg base. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is about the stickiness of I, egg yolk. I guess. I guess. I guess I my. I guess my, my scientific point, brain is working overload. I guess my point, and I'll have. I want you guys to follow me on this because this is where I am, and you guys can call me crazy, but this is my little metaphor that I'm going to paint out for you guys and our viewers and listeners. Um, all of this happening in a three-year span, mm-hmm. and getting more and more hyper focused, and more and more. So um, is, flimsy is, as time goes on is is a little confusing. So now follow me here. Big business, specifically food and big pharma, want an ample supply of people for their products. For years, the farming industry, especially when it comes to meat and eggs, has been demonized for high cholesterol, heart disease, etc. In so much that the federal government and medical industry for over 60 years have advocated for a high diet in grains, vegetable oils, and sugar. I mean, even recently, the, the what was it, the something about the lucky charms was better for you than a steak. Um, something ridiculous like that. It, it was, it was brought out of context, but there, they was talking about frosted mini wheats or something ridiculous like that, which is basically just sugar and grains. You have your opinion on it, but they put it out. Now this logically caused a lot of people over time to get larger and unhealthier, especially with the advances of technology that promotes people to sit all day. Now in tandem with the rise of climate change, hyperbole, Billionaires realize that by investing in alternative plant-based, especially bean and soy-based sources of protein, they could continue to create a large pool of waiting applicants for their quote-unquote health industry since almost all of the plant-based alternatives are incredibly bad for you. They circumvent any alternative argument by claiming that if we don't move entirely off traditional sources of protein, meat and eggs, for example, then the awaiting climate disaster will cause a litany of issues. You can't argue with the climate change hyperbole because it's seen as anti-science, quote-unquote, to question authoritative sources for some reason, which is exactly what science is about. So to make that argument tells me you don't understand science. Consensus exists in a vacuum at times, but I guess that doesn't apply when you're on the side of quote-unquote science. Feel free, by the way, to replace science with God, if you like. You can't argue with the medical industry, you'll get censored. And if you attempt to fight their unilateral Borg-like bureaucratic thinking, you'll get fired. Celebrities endorse the narrative. Politicians endorse the narrative. Why, may you ask? Because they're in bed with big business billionaire plutocrats. Does it sound too crazy? Because here's the funny thing. Let's talk about Bill Gates. He's a perfect example. We've talked about him before, but he's a great example of this. He has stakes in the following companies. 3.6% stake in Microsoft, which is now valued at $2 trillion. He owns 7 million shares of Berkshire Hathaway, which is valued at $991 billion. Gates and his associates, uh, and his associate, which I believe was a prince of Saudi Arabia, I uh, can't remember his name, uh, own 95% of Four Seasons Hotel and Resorts, which is valued at $10 billion. He is the largest single shareholder of the Canadian National Railway at 10.04%, which the company itself is valued at $85 billion. 
He has investments in Caterpillar Inc., which is valued at $136 billion. UPS, which is valued at $155 billion. FedEx, valued at $48 billion. And Waste Management Inc., valued at $62 billion. To ignore some of his, his hypocrisy in statements um, is completely nonsensical at this point. Now, today, as of today, uh, February 7th from CNBC, he claimed that he'll continue using his private jet and campaigning on climate change. He claimed that because he spends billions on climate innovation, that he's okay with being part of the problem by paying for the offsets, but also part of the solution since he's doing so much good. I mean, God, I mean, good. Um, despite this, he insisted that rich, quote unquote, rich countries own, owe the entire world by getting their emissions down to zero as fast as they can. But he's going to continue flying in his private jet. Explain. I, I think he's going to get a horse. And he's going to start. He's going to start galloping. It's going to be like it's going to be like forest, you know, start running across the country. Yeah. He's going to grow a big beard. Why are you doing dad jokes too? Bill Gates. What is this? Be, what is this? Bill Gates <laughs> is going to be, no, not just jogging. He's going to be sprinting. He's going to be like, look, go, I, Bill, go, go. We, we've talked about the billionaire influence, like the six, the big six, like media <clears throat> organizations owned by six individuals, 15 to six, six to 15 six, six individuals. individuals. Um, and all of them owning well in excess of $430 billion of the market and hundreds of companies. We've talked about that. When you look at someone like Bill Gates, and you look at his open negative perspective on things like traditional protein, such as meat, chicken, poultry, eggs, and then his alternatives, which are made from things that have been in the most part considered bad for you. It's kind of hard to see any alternative with that. Listen, Elizabeth Holmes drank only green juice. What are you doing? <laughs> That's the future of us all. I just well, I think I think you're not too far <laughs> from from home there. I mean, yeah, I mean that. See, look, the, we talked about this an hour ago. You know, people people start doing things, and eventually they get to a point where there's no need for anything else in their lives. So it now becomes their legacy. Now, their legacy, from our standpoint, can be a good one or a bad one, or it can be a combination of those things. From a Bill Gates standpoint, he I, I've seen the videos. He he can see that there's a declining population worldwide in a whole bunch of places. He owns a hell of a lot of farmland. He owns caterpillar, as you mentioned. He owns technologies. There's a, there's a lot of things that line up. Hell, he he's involved with the the ability to to manage weather to a degree. What do you think his email I mean, inbox looks like? Probably a bunch yeah. of old emails from Epstein. He doesn't even use 365. He uses something. Did you other. hear what I said? <laughs> what did you say? I said probably old. a bunch of old emails from yeah. Epstein. He's like, damn um, it, let me get rid of those ones from yeah, oops, Epstein we'll Island. See that I might remove that, but still. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 bottom line is, is if, if, you're, if you're my age, okay, and, and you're trying to change the world, you want it changed five generations from now when you're gone? Or do you want to change now? And you know, if you have the money and the technologies and the wherewithal, and you think you're right because you're an elite and all these elites think they're right, because mm -hmm. they all do, even ones that I think are you know, right. Well, you know here's what? the thing that makes me laugh. is like, I'm like, when you're, when you're that powerful, not even going to go say rich, like money Power. means nothing when you're that rich. Correct. Okay. It just literally means almost nothing. And everything at the same time. But, but like, 
you're not going to go out and be like, I got a budget, right? That's not what they're considering. <laughs> when you, do you really care at all about any of these things we're talking about? No, you don't. No, but, but I'm, I'm Look, honestly you wondering, like, sure how you do. do you... People no. care about humanity. No. no. Sure they do. Uh, yeah, Why you said they? people. We're not talking about a normal guy. Like this is this is the thing that this is this goes back to the celebrity thing that we he talked was about. a normal guy uh, you just 40 50 years ago yeah but you, so, you were talking so, about this earlier about celebrities they're just people so but that's my my point being is they're just people who are up until a point controlled by the group of people that are helping them be celebrities Bill Gates is above can, that threshold and then they control the people yeah so he's so so the the thing of he's just a guy or he cares about certain things is like saying oh yeah you know uh, Napoleon cared about his the people that supported his I'm country I'm sure he did and he died on an island alone what do you mean? No, I don't he think did. Napoleon gave a single flying F about any of the people that he then had conquered at that point in time. Now, I'm not saying that makes him a bad person. I'm saying that I don't think he considered it because he was at such a point in power where he basically controlled the entire world. So you, you can't you use the word conquer. Mm-hmm. OK, that goes back to what Bale was talking about. It's about power. Right. OK, so if, if you have all the power you ever want or need or if you think you need more. What are you going to do if you feel the world world has gone in a, in a wrong direction? What are you going to do? You just ignore it? So yeah, yeah, but that doesn't mean that he cares about the people that it impacts. I didn't say he cared about the people. You're being so awfully judgmental of Bill over there. I don't know if I don't know if I even believe that because if he did, he wouldn't fly you in a private human, jet. He, there are people you, you watch these movies and you, you have oh we need to wipe out you know there's a bad character and you know who who snaps his what the guy snaps his fingers in marvel and mm-hmm. half the universe is gone cuz there's too many damn people yeah we got to start over so there's there's some people that think that humans are a plague on everything mm-hmm. and there are other people that think yes they are but we can turn them back into something else by managing it in a more uh holistic way you know? yeah hitler thought that they all do so my point just being just from different my, directions my, my point being is that I don't think he really cares. I think it's more a matter of that absolute power, gaining all that, and then doing something that maybe, I don't, even, I don't even know if you'd be proud of it. Because at this point, it's kind of like, dude, you are one of like, maybe in the top 100 people in the world that has done more to impact the world in your time on this earth. And now you're going to impact the future, which you won't even be a part of, nor can you control. I would agree with you that he cares about these things if he wasn't flying around in a jet, if he didn't have multiple houses. Okay, well, if he was have five clones of himself ready to go. Okay, okay but, that's, but that's, what's, that's, what's the difference what between, what's, where's, where's the line drawn for you between someone like Mr. Beast and Bill Gates? You've given a lot of leeway to Mr. Beast for Bill the Gates, same arguments that you're making against Bill Gates. Bill Gates is the top 100 people so after 100, to, own, you... to own everything. Bill Gates has multiple businesses under his conglomerate of beast enterprises or whatever it is bill gates could be considered a rockefeller uh my line is when you start to be a monopoly that's where my line is if mr beast decides to buy up all of um you know cnbc or all of fox uh fox holdings or all the mainstream media and all that jazz and then starts investing in his competitors and buying them like disney does then i'll start to criticize him I will, because at that point, it's not about packing people. It's about controlling the narrative for your own personal bias. And Bill Gates is very, very transparent about his perspective on it. Isn't this what people do in general, though? No. If they don't, you don't believe you're right. That's not. That's different. (coughs) If I'm in an argument with someone 
the the discussion of whether I'm right or not, depending on my perspective and understanding of what an argument actually is, um, is at points in time irrelevant to the greater picture. And I understand that. If I have a conversation with you and I think that I'm right about something, but it turns out that I'm wrong, I'll admit that I'm wrong. So if you've gone through 40 years more of your life and you've uh, put down 10 key pillars or dictates that you believe would better society as a whole and now you're a multi-multi-billionaire and you have the ability <clears throat> to put some of these things into place, would you? Against people's will? I- I'm... That's that's what we're talking about. Well, that's that's my but question. That's what that's what people do. Yeah. They 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 start measuring. They start going, okay, I've got the right picture here. Mm-hmm. I've gone over it with my WEF buddies. Yeah, and I've got the right picture. And so we need to implement this. Well, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage. I yeah. know, and I hate. You know, there's that. a similar there's a collateral damage. For how, the, there's how a similar later. question. There's a similar question. There's a trolley on a train, and it's going down the trolley the trainway, and there's a group of people on one side and one person on the other side. I would let the trolley go. That's what I would do. I would let it run its course. And whatever path it goes down, it goes down. Because that's the ethical thing to do. People keep making this argument of, oh, the 10 pillars. Yeah, um, my 10 pillars are for me. They're not for everyone else. They're not. Because I can make the argument, oh, the world would be a better place. If everyone so you don't try like to get anybody to believe in what you believe in. It's not about getting someone to believe what sure I believe it in. No, it's not. It's about letting, getting them to understand what I believe in. You're and doing they, it right now. It's about getting people to understand what I believe in. And if they choose to believe in it, so be it. Okay, you're a live and let live person. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean everybody is. That usually doesn't mean that these people that rise to certain levels of power are that way at all. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think he doesn't care. No, this is why we need, we really, really, really need a Gandalf in real life. Jesus? No, Gandalf's not Jesus. We Aragorn need, is we need a story, yeah. We need the story to show up and guide us. Well, and that's hopefully one... You know, I guess you could equate Bill Gates to Saruman. I know you're bringing levity to this intentionally because this conversation makes you uncomfortable. That's okay. It makes me uncomfortable, too. I'm Um, just saying you can equate all things to Lord of the Rings characters. You can. And and I agree. But there's also a story behind that, too, because just like with, uh, I don't know, a similar Gandalf character. um, What's his name from uh, Harry Potter? um, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Gandalf had flaws. So did Dumbledore. And they both actually acknowledge their flaws within the story multiple times. Someone like Bill Gates, unfortunately, has yet to do that. He doubles down. Well, maybe publicly. You never know. What if we got Bill Gates' diary tomorrow and yeah, we read for, it but, and he's just in constant for inter- inner turmoil? He's for crying someone, into his pages for saying, someone, <laughs> I can't eat bugs, but I have for to for the betterment of humanity. Who is a public figure? He's weeping. For Kim. someone who's a public wow, figure. He's that's, she's doing all the jokes today. Uh, that does matter, though. And that's why there's such an issue because the people who are celebrities back to Mr. Beast and the Sam Smiths of the world and all those individuals, uh, if they're transparent with what they believe, I can respect them. And I do respect Bill Gates for being transparent. But if there's like some weird, strange power based control of I'm forcing everyone to do something because I believe that I'm better than everyone, I have a real big problem with that. Or simply not telling you. Right. I mean, he's leaving it up to us and everybody else like us to try to connect dots. He's been pretty transparent about what he says multiple times, especially about his what he's given us so far, especially about his private jet, which I think is a huge, a huge you think the government's transparent about anything. Um, it depends. No. Depends what no. we're talking about. I mean, almost anything. Well, I mean, 
let's be no let's be honest yeah. here the current administration has been pretty forthcoming about what they're going to do in a lot of ways and then they've lied about it and then pretended that they didn't lie about it so i mean that's about as hey, bold faced as you can be my point is is that th- there's always a, a layer to things there's always an onion to peel right yeah and the government doesn't tell us most of the things it knows there's very little transparency and that's why everything on earth is redacted simply because there's a bunch of people that don't think we as the public can handle it that's the main reason they'll tell you it's for our protection yeah what does that really mean nothing is anybody protected because we didn't know for sure who shot j uh, jfk no the only people that protected the people that are dead now yeah bummer um well i I think you know back to the chicken feed um i don't really know if this uh if if companies are providing faulty chicken feed i would argue that it's probably not likely intentional that would be my argue because I, I don't see any alternative um would i argue that it's unintentional no <laughs> i don't really know what position it is um it's not so i would leave it up to you i'll leave it up to you the viewer to determine the truth for yourself the real problem in my opinion with all this goes back to society's unhealthy relationships with celebrities the wealthy public servants all these individuals somewhere along the line it got into everyone's head that these people quote who know better um do simply because they do and meritocracy only goes so far in my opinion you can have all the credentials in the world that doesn't mean that you're unilaterally and universally right about everything now am i arguing arguing the merits of their intelligence no i think bill gates and the individuals like him the big six corporations that own almost all the mainstream media or all the major uh you know farming companies all that stuff i think these individuals are very intelligent i'm not arguing their intelligence i'm arguing the merits of their intent now either way i don't think we're really going to know but I think that there are some definitely interesting things happening as of right now in the world. Very interesting. And all very yeah. coincidental. You can draw your own conclusions. Yeah. Indeed. Any, uh, any beautiful stories to any parables? Parables? Any parables to end the, the, the episode with? There was once a person on the beaches of Southern California who had a pet goat. And they were an entrepreneur and they said... I know it would make a great way for a bunch of dumb, dumb, older millennials to, to, to take money from them. Goat yoga. We should have an episode in the history of goat yoga. It'll be about 10 minutes long. I'm just, um, we I should can't stop thinking about no, it. Now. And then we're going to have to talk about it eventually. But yeah, that wraps up our episode. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed it. Uh, if you want more content from The Wolf and Bull, you can find it via our Instagram at The Wolf and Bull. We normally, as I said before, have episodes every Thursday and videos every Friday. If you liked what you saw on YouTube, a like, a comment, or a subscription would be greatly appreciated. Even if you didn't like it, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you again, and we will catch you next week. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Wolf and Bull podcast. Our team here at the Wolf and Bull and Damore Media are so happy you spent some time with us. If you liked this episode, please leave a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. A review will help grow our show and we'd love for you to be a part of our family. If you'd like more content from the Wolf and Bull, you can find it at our Instagram at the Wolf and Bull and on YouTube and Rumble via the Wolf and Bull. Thank you again and we'll see you next week.